Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God for our special meditation this morning is our Gospel reading, Mark 11, verses 1 through 10, as printed in your bulletins and already read. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Some of you may be aware that for the last year and a half, I have served as a pastor mentor to a brother in the ministry, one who just finished at the seminary and went to his first call in 2019. This past week, we had our monthly check-in, and he asked me a, a simple question without an easy answer. What, from my years of experience, is the one main point to preach on Palm Sunday? I wasn't able to give him quite the answer he was looking for, because what may look like the one main point one year may not look like it the next year. There is such a wealth of truths and principles and observations and applications contained in, in the Gospel's accounts of this very familiar story of a momentous day in Jesus' life and in the life of the Christian church. And every one of them is, is worthy of the attention of Christ's people and our congregation. I'll, I'll take just one... <clears throat> less common or obvious point as an example. What is something that is proved or demonstrated by how the crowds welcomed Jesus on that first Palm Sunday? They knew the liturgy. Even the children who followed Jesus into the temple later that day were shouting out words from Psalm 118, which was used as, as part of the Passover rites and, and undoubtedly was, was familiar also from their worship in, in the, the synagogue and the temple. And now the point is, is not that they learned something by using it frequently, but that those words of, of praise were so dear to their hearts and so fixed in their minds that when they saw Jesus coming, their first impulse, a perfectly correct impulse, was to shout and to sing those words together to welcome their Messiah. Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! That certainly says something about the value Christians today should place on the words and songs and, and uses of the liturgy, not just in our worship, but in our everyday lives as well. But if we are talking about worship, whether on Palm Sunday or any other day, it is usually words that we think of, isn't it? Maybe it's specific words like Hosanna or that A word that we won't use again until next Sunday. Or perhaps it's the, the hymns and songs and psalms and prayers that we use in our services week by week throughout the year. But there is something other than our mouths that is an important and an essential part of worshiping the Lord. 
And it is on prime display in the story of Palm Sunday, though I suspect that very few of us ever even notice it. It's what all those people welcoming their king were doing with these things. They were worshiping Jesus with hands of praise. Just consider all of the things that were done in that Palm Sunday account that worshiped Jesus specifically and and God more generally that did not involve voices. The two disciples that went into the village on the way to Jerusalem honored Jesus with their trust and their obedience to his instructions. But they took that all the way when they used their hands to actually untie that donkey colt. That that was the point of no return. When they trusted that it would be seen by the animal's owners as borrowing and not as theft. This was a physical act of worship, reflecting the faith in their hearts. And of course, it would have continued from there as they used their hands to lead the young donkey back to Jesus for him to ride on. And next, we see the disciples throwing their garments onto the colt to give their master a more comfortable seat. And then after the ride began, people along the way began to throw their garments onto the road in front of him. This was a spontaneous act of thoughtful worship. The idea was to keep the the dust and mud and muck of the road from dirtying the, the feet of the king's royal mount, or even more, to keep it from getting kicked up and dirtying the king himself. Now, these people did this knowing full well that their garments were going to end up filthy, perhaps even permanently damaged. But they were willing to give Jesus their praise in this way. And of course, they used their hands to remove their garments and then to throw them into the road before him. And then, of course, there is the act that gives this Sunday its name. Others in the crowd cut down branches with which to welcome the son of David, the Messiah, their king. Again, this was a very deliberate act of worship. It required choosing a branch, holding it, taking out a knife, cutting it, carrying it, and then placing that branch and others on the ground in front of Jesus as he rode. Hands of praise. And we can imagine, though we are not specifically told, that the people in the crowds also used their hands to clap or raise them high in the air in joyful excitement. And perhaps in your mind's eye, you can see children waving or waving the palm branches, waving at Jesus as he goes by, hoping that he will see them and Give them a nod or a smile. Hands of praise. But what was in their hearts? 
That's actually one of the big questions about Palm Sunday. Did all of these people, at least for this one day, believe in Jesus as their Messiah and Savior? Or was much of this more about just being caught up in the excitement and and carried along by the crowd? The main argument for this not being faith in any true sense is that this enthusiasm, honor, and trust seemed to have disappeared completely by the end of the week. It goes too far to say that the crowd calling out, crucify him on Good Friday morning, was the same as the crowd crying, Hosanna to the Son of David on Palm Sunday. But at the very least, at the very least, we would have expected some pushback, some resistance from the people of Jerusalem when Jesus' enemies were arranging his execution if, if there really were that many crowds, multitudes of believers among them. But you and I know that faith that is strong and enthusiastic one day can be weak and apathetic the next. And there is a pretty strong argument for what the crowds showed on Palm Sunday being real, even if it was a very shallowly rooted and maybe even temporary faith. That argument comes from the fact that Jesus accepted their worship. Yes, It was all what was due him and had always been due him. But many times in the Old Testament, we read about how the Lord rejects the worship of those who are merely going through the motions and not offering their praises and sacrifices from hearts that both honor and trust him. If Jesus had felt that this was all empty and and putting on a show for for the fun of it, it is not likely that he would have received it as he did. But for at least this one day, he could hear and see people whose hearts were turned toward him as their true Messiah and Savior. There's something important about the word that they kept repeating. Hosanna. Though we tend to think of it as, as just a, a word of praise, like, like the A word, the, the footnote to our text explains, Hosanna means save us or help us, we pray. So while there was clearly joy and worship in what they were saying, they were looking to Jesus as they looked to the Lord and they were looking to him for deliverance. They saw him as their Savior. Now granted, this was not a very deep or well-informed faith. Most everyone in the crowd, like most of the Jews, was probably thinking in terms of a Messiah king who would deliver them from the rule of the Roman Empire. 
and would restore the lost glories of the kingdom of David and improve their individual lives in important ways. They likely were not thinking much of how Jesus might deliver them from their sins or thinking much of how, as the Lamb of God, He would be sacrificed on the altar of the cross to to conquer their truest and deepest enemies and oppressors, sin, death, and the devil. And this probably helps explain why Sunday's worshipers were so fickle that they were nowhere to be seen or heard on Friday. What faith they had was not ready to accept or adapt to a suffering Savior when they were looking for a mighty king. But your faith is not like that. Yours is deep and well-informed, starting with the important but unpleasant information that you are a sinner in desperate need of deliverance from your sins. Because otherwise you are headed to hell for all eternity. You know that no matter how hard you work to to keep up appearances, the truth is that your heart is naturally filled with thoughts, desires, and urges that are unholy, unclean, and, and unfit for society. You understand that each and every sin is equally damning and that the fact that you haven't murdered anyone doesn't make up for the fact that you have told lies and skipped church and had hateful and lustful thoughts and have hurt people in all sorts of ways. You see that you don't need a mighty king to conquer this world for you. You need a mighty Savior to rescue you from yourself and to defeat sin and death for you. And Jesus is exactly that Savior. There could be no other. He is the Son of God from eternity and also the Son of Man born of Mary of David's royal line. As man, he was subject to God's law and also to suffering and death. As God, he was able to keep the law and his Father's will perfectly. And his suffering and death would count as the suffering and death of all people so that no sinner would need to go through what he went through on our behalf. Jesus was indeed the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Because of what Jesus did and allowed to be done to Him, our sins are forgiven. The devil no longer has power over us. We are now perfectly holy in the Lord's eyes because Christ's righteousness has been credited to our accounts. And because God raised Jesus from the dead, 
We have eternal life waiting for us beyond the grave and and heaven for all eternity. His perfect love has driven fear and anxiety out of our hearts and lives. And we are sure not only of His love, but of His every promise to care for and comfort us with His gentle but all-powerful hands. And so what will we do with ours? Well, if the people in and around Jerusalem that first Palm Sunday, with their more shallow and uninformed faith, could engage their hands in praise, then how much more will we with our deeper, more informed, more joyous and saving faith use our hands in acts of worship? Now, we have no cause to be untying donkeys or cutting palm branches today, but we can be inspired by their example. And we can be encouraged by the words of St. Paul in Romans 12, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your appropriate worship. So we we will not feel that we have done enough, worshipped enough, praised enough, just because we went to church or went online and and sang a few songs, prayed a few prayers, and, and said a few amens. Instead, we will recognize that everything that we do is an opportunity to say thank you and I love you and you're the best to the Lord. And we will, yes, Use our hands for such praise. Whether it's swinging a hammer, typing a document, sweeping a floor, sculpting a statue, writing a check, flicking on your turn signal, brushing someone's hair, speaking with the deaf, opening a door for someone, giving a shot or whatever. It will be done in view of the mercies of God shown us in Jesus Christ, it will all be done in worship of our Lord. It's not just the the formal occasions like church or, or work days or the special events. It's every aspect of our various vocations, our callings as, as Christians, church members, citizens as parents, children, siblings, as bosses, employees, clerks, as teachers, nurses, baristas, homemakers, factory workers, carpenters, technicians, dog walkers. Whatever it is that you have to do, because you have been saved by Jesus and belong to God, whatever it is, you do it to the Lord and His glory. You do it to serve your neighbor. And you do it with hands of praise. Amen. Please rise.
Now to him who is able, according to the power that is at work within us, to do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.